Hello, everybody. Hey, it's me, Tanner, from Cozy Cryptid. I'm your host, and um, thank you for joining me today. Uh, this episode, we're going to talk about some of the creatures in Tolkien lore. So I hope you enjoyed the episode, and have a great day. Here we go. Ready for all you Tolkien fans out there? Are you guys ready for this episode? Hope you enjoy it and share it with your friends and family members. First up, we got the Anyor, also known as the Holy Ones. They were uh, being encompassed both the Valor and the Mayar. They were the first and mightiest beings created by uh, Ewu Ilavatar long before the beginning of the world. They were primordial spirits who existed with Avatar and with him created the world through the music of the Anyar. After the creation of Avatar, made the Anyar descended into it to guide and order its growth. Of these were 15 more powerful than the rest. 14 of these great Anyar became known as the Valor or Powers of Arda. The 15th Melkor turned it aside from the path and became the first Dark Lord. The 15th Mount and became the Dark Lord. The many lesser Anyar that occupied the Valor and Ardor are known as Maiar. The Anyar were the offspring of Eltor's thought, and each were given understanding only of that part of the mind of Eltor from which he or she came. The exception of this was Melkor, a brother and spirit to Manwi, who later became the Lord of the Valor and he was given some of the parts from which the others had come. But for all his gifts, he did not know the full mind of Eror. Malkor and Manawi were the most powerful of the Anyar. Anyar were kindled with a flame and perishable, which can be taken to mean that they were granted free will by the Creator. Eltor instructed them in the arts of music until he brought them together to make the music of Anyar. The great song that created the vision of Elvatar and ultimately the great world, the real world. In the beginning of the music, Anyar were all in harmony and Eru and one another, but Melkor turned aside to his own pride, seeking power for himself and attempting successfully to bring discord to the great music. He later led many of the Manyar astray. Uh, through, the line, through the music of Anyar, Elvatar created a vision of the world. He showed it to the Anyor and explained much of its nature and destiny to them. Anyor therefore have much knowledge of the world, but are not themselves ammunition. Elotar then granted the world true being by declaring Ia causing these visions to come into being. 
Melkor and many of the others, mighty Anyard, sent it, desired to send into it and form it in readiness for coming of the children <coughs> of Ildor, that is, elves and men. Upon descending into the world, the Anyar became known as the Valar and the Mangar. The, those Anyar were entered the world and chose to live in it at its beginning and remain bound to it until its end. Through no. Oh, Melkor will, was eventually thrown into the void by others. He is prophesied to return for the end in the Dagor Dagorath, the final battle. The final battle. Little is known of the ultimate future of the Anior, even by themselves. But it is said that after the great battle of the end of the world, there will be a second, even greater music in its end with the children of Eltor. Among many Anior who entered the world long ago, there was a one of the order of the Manyar named Melian. Alone of all the Anyar, she wedded one of the children of Iltor, King Ulu, Thingol of Dorath, and wove the girdle of Melian that protected Doriath for many centuries. Through her, an essence of the Anyar entered the bloodlines of the elves and men, passed down through generations after generation, and was still present at the time of the War of the Ring. Aron was Melian's great-great-grandson, and Aragorn, too, was her descendant, though through many more generations than Elrond. Aeon is a kingon, word originating from Belarion and means holy ones. It appears to come from the world Aeon, meaning holy, although the origin of the second element Ur is less clear. It is possible there is a link between the word Anyar and the word Eru. And the word, the first element Ur means one. Though this will not be true as there is no further elaboration on this. So the Anyar were basically. Like the angels and stuff. So the Valor. So Valor. The Valor. Or Vala. Were the powers of Arda. Who shaped and ruled the worlds. And they lived in the western continent. So the Lord. Of Valor. Uh, these are the names of the Valor. As they were known as the Elder in Middle Earth. They were known by other names of Sindarin origin. For example, they call Varda Albereth. Men knew them by other names and sometimes worshipped them as gods. The elves called Varda, the creator of the stars. Alatari, the dwarves called Elu, the creator Mala. The ants called Yavana, the creator Kematari. It should be noted that without exception of Orin, the names listed below are not actual names, but rather titles. The true names of the Valar are nowhere recorded. Male Valar are called Lords of the Valar. Females are called Ladies of the Valar, or Valir. Among these exist six married couples, with only Ulma and Nina remaining signal. Amawi Sulma, the King of the Winds, and the King of the Valar, and husband of Varda. Melkor, the first Dark Lord, was the strongest of Balthal, where he 
before he was banished from the group. Uma, the sea king and the lord of water. Alui, the smith and the lord of the earth and all that's underneath. And the husband of Yavanna. Ormin Haladron, the huntsman, the lord of the forest and the great rider. And the husband of Vena. Namo, Nemo, uh, the doomsman and the judge of the dead and husband of Barry. Ermo, the lord and master of dreams, visions, and desires, and creator of the orderly Mali, or path of dreams, <laughs> and the husband of Esti. Uh, Tokas Alstadado, the wrestler, champion of Valnor, and last of the Valar to come to my, come to Harda, and the husband of Nessa. Uh, Varda Alatari, the Star Queen, and the Queen of the Valar, and the wife of Maui. I'm sorry if I'm saying these things wrong. Maui. Okay, uh, Yavana, or Havana, or the fruit giver, and the Lady of the Earth, and the wife of Oli. Niana, the weeper, and the Lady of Mercy. Este, the gentle. Lady of Healing and Rest, and the wife of Irmo. Vari, the weaver, and the wife of Mendos. Or Mendos. Avena, the ever young, and the wife of Orme. Orome. Uh, Nessa, the dancer, and the wife of Tokos. The other name, the Haratar, or High Ones of Arda, were the Eight greatest of the valor, Maui, Varda, Oma, Yavana, Ali, Mandos, Nina, and Orme. Melkor, the most powerful of all, <coughs> as I count among them. <coughs> Loria and Mandos were brothers and referred to each other as predatory or master or masters of spirits. In early versions of the Legendarium, gods was a use was a word used often to refer to them. And Valor and Valerie is a short term to male and female Valor. Like the other Anyor, the power of the Valor were ambiguously mysterious. The Valor had similar and superior abilities to the Mayor, because uh, as they controlling light and the fire, transforming into many forms, or trancing men and elves with their presence. Manwi and Olmo controlled the winds and waters of Arda, respectively, Yanaba and Nessa created the two trees, Larian and Napurian, to eliminate much of Arm Amen. Varda would relight stars and constellations that prophesied the doom of Morgoth. The Valar together had the powers to raise a vast island of Numenor up to the surface of the sea. Cool. Cool, cool. Then we got the mayor. The mayor or primarily the mayor or were primarily spirits created to help the Valar first shape the world. They were numerous, though not many were named. Their chiefs were Inoue, Bannerbearer, and Herald of Manue and Inamare, the hand made of Berda. 
Five of these spirits in the third age became the incarnated wizards. Each of the mayor were associated with one or more particular Abala and was of similar stock, though less powerful. For example, Ose and Unin, Unin, like U-I-N-E-N, as spirits of the sea belong to Olmo, the sea king, while Koromo, known as Middle-earth, known in Middle-earth as Samaran, Samaran, belong to Elu, the smith. Others included Mara, also of Oli, known in Middle-earth as Sauron, Adawi, known Millers as Radagast. Radagast the Wise. What's it? It belonged to Yavanna, the Fruit Giver. Auron, known by elves as Merthodin, became to Middle Earth as Ga- Gandalf. Auron, who belonged to Manawi, the Wind King, and Barda, the Star Queen. Galdos' ways took him to, often to the house of Nina, the, whippy, the Weeper. From, and from her, he learned pity and patience, which perhaps aided him in his struggles to unite the free peoples of Middle Earth against the power of Sauron. So, Sauron is a mayor? Sauron, Godolf, and Sauron. It's our man, they're all mayor. Okay, oh, which perhaps aided him. Okay, um, Altar and Paladome, they're known as the Blue Wizards. Travels to the east, never returning to the west. Their fate is unknown. The Balrogs were corrupted. A mayor who became Melkor's most trusted and terrible servants. Uh, Melian, Turbovana, and Este. The sun and moon were also appointed by Mayor Aaron, a spirit of fire, uncorrupted by Melkor. Chosen, uh, was chosen for her Radiant beauty and fiery devotion to the workings of Valar was selected to guide the sun when a Waltilian, a hunter, and the company of Orimin was chosen to steer the moon. Cool. Uh, Mayor, like Valar, did not array themselves in a fixed form but could freely change shape. Orlin or Gandalf walked among these people of Middle Earth in an uncertain form for many years. Before being sent on the errand of the Valar as one of the Astari. Like the Valar, however, this power would, could be lost when abused. Following the dark trails blazed by Melkor, Sauron took upon the form of and remained the Dark Lord in the Second Age. And yet, Maiar retained their immorality. For all indication, from all indications, when the physical body of Maiar is destroyed, their spirit wanders houseless and their power diminished until they may take physical form once more or are restored by their respective valor. As elements can be seen in the threat of Luthien to Sauron upon his defeat at the Tower of Werewolves, where it is said, Air, Sauron's spirit, left its dark house. Luthien came to him and said that he should be stripped of his remnant of flesh. And its ghost sent quaking back to Morgoth. And she said, There's everlasting thy naked self shall endure the torment of his scorn, pierced by his eyes, unless thou shalt yield to make the mastery of thy tower. A further example includes the resurrection of Gandalf after he and the Balog 
Amoria were both slain one by the other on the mountain peak of Zurich Ezekiel. Naked, I was sent back for a brief time until my task is done, and naked I lay upon the mountaintop. There I lay staring upward while stars wheeled over, and each day was as long as a life age of the earth. It's not clear or what, how or what was for Gandalf, though it can be inferred that Manly played his some role. It was Manly that sent the Asteri on their errands to check the power of Sauron in Middle-earth. Therefore, by Gandalf declaring that he was sent back until his task is done, indicates some level of Manly's embalmment, or as argued by some, it was a direct intervention of Eru Ilvatar that brought Gandalf's return. Um, like most of the Anyar, the abilities and powers of the Manyar remain unknown and presumably diverse, given the nature of the Manyar was to aid the Valar in uh, shaping the world. They likely have considerable power to augment the world among them. A Manyar, as a primordial spirit beings, are functionally immortal and essentially immune to the ravage of time. Even from physical destruction, they remain in spirit form. Beings of divine origin, they can shapeshift if they so choose. They wander the world unseen or shape themselves in any fashion, be they elves or other creatures called Fonar and Kunyin, could be destroyed, but there's being not extinguished. It is said that the Mayor, in the service to the Valar in shaping the world, presumably can manipulate the elements and energies like the Valar counterparts. <coughs> They were able to see given a physical body again over time or with help from the Valar. Presumably, the mayor possessed the ability to perform magic, thus performing blessings, spells, curses, exorcism, etc. Given the vastness of the universe and the ability of the mayor to occupy such points, they are capable of teleporting vast distances by taking the form of a flying creature like vampires, birds, bats, etc., Anyar could fly. Interesting. So they might see something called the Illuminari. If I can find it. The Starry. Sorry, the Starry. Wizards. Sorry. The Wizards are still known as the Starry or Heron Hastarian. Order the Wizards were five mayor spirits sent to Middle-earth while embodied as old men to aid the free peoples against the threat of Sauron. In the underlying lands around TA-1000, Manwi, leader of Anyar and king of the Valar and Arda, learned that the Dark Lord Margroth, most loyal lieutenant Sauron, was returning to power. He then summoned a council, a council, which concluded that the Valar were to send three messengers to Middle-earth to protect the free peoples and reassured them that the Valar had not forgotten them. Only two Manyar came. Kurumo, a layer named Saruman, sent by Alui, and Marathar, Alatar, sent by Orumi, Ar- 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 Maui, summoned by Oren, 
Leonard named Gandalf. Asking if he would go as the third messenger, Alderaan claimed that he was too weak and that he feared Sauron. However, Maui said that there's all the more reason to go, and he commanded him to go. Him go. Whereupon Barda said, "Not as a third." Yavanna asked Kurma, "Take Ali also later, named Madagas, and Morthar took uh, Romastamo Palando as a friend." They were forbidden to dominate the free peoples of Middle Earth or to match Sauron's power with power, as if they devastated from their appointed tasks, their powers and memory of Valinor would begin to wane. Uh, these the power wizards were known by various names and were arrayed in different colors. Those who came to Middle Earth Sent by the Balar, five are known. Heron Astarian, Order of Wizards. Of After arriving in Middle-earth, two blue wizards apparently went east for the War of the Ring. Whether they played in a part in the events of the war is unknown. Note, according to Tolkien letters, there may have formed cults for magic worships and practice among the Easterlings. Radagast and the brown concerned himself mainly with plants and animals, living in Markwood for many years. Saruman, the white, and Gandalf the gray spent their time with the free peoples, the elves, dwarfs, and men. Saruman was wise and <coughs> respected. Okay, whatever. Later became the head of the White Council in TA 2463. However, he became a prideful and jealous of the power and purity of Gandalf's spirit and reputation. Saruman slowly came to betray the original purpose of the wizards and saw power for himself. At the end of the Third Age, the wizards passed from sight because with the fall of Sauron, their work was done. Gandalf passed over the sea with the last riding of the keepers of the rings. Radagast remained in Middle-earth, tending to the wilderness. During the War of the Ring, Saruman was overthrown, banished from the Sari Order by Gandalf, Killed by a servant after a failed attempt to rule the Shire, and even his mayor spirit was barred from ever returning to Amon due to the betrayal of Manwi and the real purpose of the wizards. The fate of the blue wizards is unknown. The wizards resemble elderly men, although they age very slowly. Despite their age appearance, they possess physically strong bodies and highly intelligent minds. Each of the starry carried a staff and associated with a color and thus a rank within their order. A starry was a Kenyan award. Uh, a star, the Sinirin translation was Etherin. Okay. There are some in the white, also known as Kuraman, Kurin, Chakur, and Sharki, Amaya of Alu. Original leader of the Starry Order and the White Council. After his corruption by Sauron, he remains Nissal Saruman, the many colored. Cast out from both the White Council and the Starry by <coughs> a resurrected G- Gandalf, ultimately killed by Grimma Wormton following the battles of Bywater. Uh, Gandalf the Grey, also known as Ulleran, Mithadur, Thorkin, and Inconus, 
Amaya of Maui in Barda. After he was killed by a Balrog, he was born as Gandalf the White, the new leader of the White Council, and as Dari, Wither of the Sword, Glumber Ring, and Narya, the Ring of Fire. Cecily, in his mission to defeat Sauron, he returned to Valinor at the end of the Third Age. Radagast the Brown, also known as Aladdin, Amaya of Yavanna, a lover of nature who mostly participated, who mostly avoided participating in the War of the Ring. The Blue Wizards, also known as the uh, Aether Ruin, both Maya of Orimi, traveled to distant east of Middle Earth. Little is known about them, and their fates are unknown. Samarian. Sorry, I got a phone call coming. Anyway, turn now. So that's pretty much like the whole like uh, wizards and stuff, like gods and. So wizards are basically like angels, I guess, or like. So Gandalf is pretty much like an angel. I can think of it that way. But uh, let's continue on with some more. Of these. Um, so we got after this message. Uh, take a look, look about. I don't know. Something you can help. Well, you can help support the show. All right. Uh, simple thing you gotta do is if you want some cool clothes, just go over to bruteimpact.com. Right, and you're gonna use code word. 25 underscore tanner. I say 25% off your order. When you order at brute when you order at bruteimpact.com, use code word 25 underscore tanner and say 25% off your order. That's it. Thank you. Alright, we're back. Hello. Okay, let's talk about dwarves. Dwarfs were a race of Middle Earth, also known as the Khazad, and their own, or Khazari, Nogrim, meaning stunted people, and Gogharim, and the, master, the masters of stone. The dwarfs were made by Auli, whom they themselves called Mahala, meaning maker. Auli was unwilling to wait for the coming of the children of Ilvatar, for he was impatient and desired to te- have someone to teach his lore and crafts. Therefore, he made the first seven fathers of the dwarves in secret and hall under the mountains of Middle-earth. It was, however, not with Alwi's power to create life. After being reprimanded by Avatar and realizing his error, Alwi offered his creations to his father to do with as he would, including their destruction. Even as the author 
was made. Elotar accepted and gave dwarfs a life of their own. So Ali picked up a great hammer to smite the seven fathers and destroy the presumptions cre- creations. They shrank back in fear and begged for mercy. Avatar was, however, not willing to suffer the dwarves should come before the firstborn. And he decreed that the son, seven fathers should sleep underground and shall not come forth until the firstborn have awakened. After a century after the elves awakened, the seven fathers of the dwarves were aroused. Of those seven, only the name of one is known, Durin the First, who was called the Deathless. Each one of his seven fathers became a king of his own clan, and each built his own great hall. Three major holds are known to have been built in this period. Belgos and Nongron were built in the Blue Mountains, and the dwarves of these holds formed alliances with the Noldor and fought in the wars. During the first, on the other hand, wandered into a vale in the Misty Mountains. He named Alzalilbar in a <clears throat> in a still pool in the veil, he saw a reflection of himself, the crown of seven stars. Ever, ever after, the constellation of stars that the elves called Valaxirka was called by the dwarfs Durin's crown. It was seen reflected in the water at any time of day. Though only Durin could see his own reflection, Durin first named the lake Kelizaram and proceeded to build his great hall, Khazad-dum, in the mountains above. In the first age, the dwarves made alliances with the elves, and both prospered from trade. Dwarves from Beogos uh, invented the famous dwarf male of length and range and fashioned the finest steel the world has ever seen. They also constructed the halls of Thingo, um, Mangroth, and were rewarded by the Pearl Nymphalos. Uh, they fought alongside elves and men and participated in some of the major battles of the first age including the first battle of Balarin, Balarind, and then the nearest Arwendiad, in which the Taurus of Belgos won great renown for being the only ones able to stand against the dragon Clauron, for which is their custom, moreover, to wear great masks in battle hideouts to look upon, which set up them good steed against dragons. Besides, they were naturally able to resist fire better than else or men in that battle as the goal, the lord of the Belgos, was killed by Garon, who crawled over him. Before dying, Dwarf stabbed at the dragon's belly with his knife and pricked him so deep that he fled back to Agabon. Angbon. Angban? Whatever. Oh, sorry. I'm like butchering. So, uh, Dwarfs of Norgrim were famous for the grasping of their weapons. Most notably against their smiths was Talcar. Dwarves from Nograd, Nogron, uh, crafted necklace of Nalagolomir and Thingol, crested dwarfsmiths from Nograd to set a Samaran into the necklace, and thus ordered united the greatest works of elves and dwarves. Those dwarf smiths were driven mad by gold dust. However, and murdered Thingol and stole the necklace into his, and the stone, denying the better rivalry between dwarves and elves that raged between the two races until the end of the Third Age. 
The Elsa Dorith pursued the smiths to their death and reclaimed Nagolomir. But two of the slayers of Thingol escaped from the, the pursuit and in Nagrad to do all, told how dwarves were slain by command of the elven king, who thus would cheat them of their just reward. The dwarves of Nagrad lamented the death of their kin and their great craftsmen and took and took thought of vengeance. Thought, though dwarves and Belgos tried to sway them from their purpose, the dwarves of Nagrand invaded Doriath, and after a hard battle in the Thousand Caves, the dwarves of Nagrand were victorious and took Nagalomir and the Similarian. On the return journey to the Blue Mountains, however, the dwarves of Nagrand were assailed by a company that included Baron, his son Dior, and many green elves of Osirin. Many of the dwarves were slain, and Baron himself slew the lord of Nagrand and wrestled from him Nicholas Nagalomir. Some of the dwarves escaped from the battle, but they were ambushed in the slopes beneath Mount Dome by the shepherds of the trees. Some stories from the first age tell of petty dwarves who were called Nogith Nibin, though those were elves exiled from their homes during the Peace of Arda and were the first elf dwarves to enter Belerian. It was petty dwarves who first inhabited and carved out the caverns of Narrog. Which they called Nullikizidin, but were later taken over by Finrod and called Nagrathrond. The land, <coughs> the last of this line was Remem and his two sons who lived at Amarud. Mim aided Turin and his adventures by seriously betrayed them to orcs. Oh, fuck that. The fuck. So, this dude made his dwarves, and it's like, hey, dude, you can't make this dwarf right now, dude. You gotta chill for sales first in dwarves. It's like, okay, put him to sleep under the ground. And it's like, okay. And then they went and had a party, and they all had different things going on. And some people got a little go, a little. After our first age, most tales, telling, most tales telling of dwarves are about the dwarves of the line of Durin. Or commonly known as called Durin's folk, or Longbeards. Durin the first enjoyed a very long life and lived through most of the first age. Every now and then, though, the following ages, a dwarf was born of this line that was so alike to Durin that he was cured to be Durin reborn. Prophecy told that Durin would be reborn seven times, and the coming of Durin the seventh would mark the decline of the dwarves. Durin the second was born in the second age. It's not known exactly when, but he was in power when the smith Narvi built the west gate of Kazandum in the year 750. His reign was an era of great prosperity, in which the halls of Kazandum was greatly expanded, and Noldren, elves of Linden, moved into a region to trade with the dwarves for Mithril. Population boomed because Many refugees from Belgos and Nagrad were destroyed at the end of the First Age, moved to Kalazadim. During the Third, was in power around the year 1600 of the Second Age. He was gifted with the seventh and most powerful of the Dwarven rings of power. It was the elven smith Kalimbrimbor 
and now Saruman gave him the ring. The ring's power did not affect have effects that Saruman had intended, possibly because Allium had made doors especially resistant to evil domination. The only apparent effect of dwarf rings was that the dwarves became more greedy with gold dust, but they were not turned to race like a bear. Sauron tried to recover the rings, too, he, he reclaimed fairly soon, and four ended up in dragon hordes. Sauron did not reclaim the ring of Durin until the 2450th year of the Third Age, when he captured train the rain the second of dwarves if you fought upon either side but the kindred of Durin of Moria fought against Sauron in the year in third age 1980 after centuries of greedy digging for mithril and other minerals the dwarves awoke a Balrog that was sleeping in the dips and deeps of the misty mountains since the first age the dwarves fled Casa Durham, which the men the non was called Moria, which means Black Pit. Most of Durham's folk left for the Grey Mountains in the north, while some were followed the new king, Thrain I, who briefly went to Erebor. For more than 300 years, the dwarves of the Grey Mountains prospered until dragons in the far north started to gain strength. Some fled to the Iron Hills which was most followed the new king Thor to Erebor to start a new kingdom under the mountain. There, they prospered for over 200 years until the dragon Smog ascended in TA-2770. The king and his company went in exile south, while most of the survivors went to the Iron Hills. Durin's folk settled in Dunland, and King Thor traveled north to Moria, where he was killed by the Gom King, Azog. Thor's son, Thorin II, uh, who received the last of seven rings from his father for his departure, summoned houses, all, the, all the houses of the dwarves to war. Thus began the War of Dwarves and Orc, in which the dwarves destroyed all the goblin strongholds in the Misty Mountains, Called main to the great battle of Azlo no Bazaar, where all dwarven clans united. The goblin hosts issuing from Moria were strong and relentless until the arrival of fresh dwarves of the Iron Hills. The battle ended with the victory of dwarves by the Great Cross. Dwarven clans, however, were unwilling to repopulate Moria. Thrain therefore came to the Blue Mountain and established his realm there. So that's uh, basically the Hobbit you talking about. The wizard Gandalf was instrumental into helping Thrain's son Thorin in reclaiming the kingdom Erebor. Thorin gathered around him twelve dwarves mostly from his own line, and were joined by Gandalf and Bilbo Baggins. The quest of Erebor ended with the death of Smog. After a quarrel with the men of elves over the unguarded horror, the dwarves, assisted by those from the Iron Hills, united with the men of elves to fight the attacking goblins and wargs. 
and was called the Battle of the Five Armies, where Thorn was killed. Gimli, son of Glenn, joined the Fellowship as a representative of the Dwarfs and befriended Legolas during the War of the Ring. At the Battle of the Pelennor Fields, a force of Lombards and men of Dale held the Lonely Mountain in a single siege against an army of Easterlings who had taken all of Brad's land. Even only in the capital city of Dale. The dwarfs of, and men of Dale stood for three days against the Easterlings, and once the news of Sauron's death spread to the Lonely Mountain, the Easterlings retreated. During the Fourth Age, which began after the destruction of Mordor and Sauron, dwarves and men reforged their friendship. Dane was killed during the War of the Rings and was succeeded by his son Thorin III Stonehelm, who ruled over into the Fourth Age. During this time, dwarves from the Lonely Mountain helped rebuild cities in Gondor and the fortress of the Hornburg, and some sent to the newly established dwarven realm of the Glittering Caves, where Gimli was lord. Right on, Gimli. Dude, Gimli's the best. The kingdom of the Lonely Mountain apparently continued to prosper throughout the Fourth Age. Subsequently, Gimli went on many undocumented travels with his friend Legolas. It is remembered that in FO 120, uh, Gimli and Legolas boarded a ship that sailed down the river Anduin and they sailed to Valinor. Gimli was thus the only dwarf to ever permit it to cross the, to the Undying Lands. During the seventh, we took Moria and brought Kravazad Doom back to its original splendor, and the Lombards lived there till the world grew old and the days of Durin's race ended. When Alia created the dwarves, he had only a vague idea of what the children of Eltor should look like because of the threat of Morgoth's overworld. Elo made them very strong, both in body and character. Dwarves were short, stocky race, a little taller than hobbits, but much broader and heavier. Most dwarves had thick, luxuriant beards in which they took great pride, and often forged or braided them and tucked them into their belts. They uh, have been favored simple, durable. They have seemed to have favored simple, durable clothing, colored hoods, and heavy cloaks for traveling, and belts of gold or silver. For battle, their soldiers would have elaborately crafted armor and helmets, bearing various angles and styles that were trademarks of dwarven was it angels, angels and styles that were trademarks of dwarven crafting styles. Their armor were was masked with symbols after a manner of those using the forges for shielding the eyes they were hideous to look upon. Dwarven women were alike in manner, voice, and appearance to the menfolk. They were few in number, less than a third of all dwarf kind, and they were seldom seen outside their own halls, often not venturing far due to their duties as caretakers and crafters in dwarven society. They typically only traveled when in great need, and they usually dressed similarly to, to dwarf men. They often led other folk to believe that there were no women among the dwarfs, 
that dwarfs grew from stone when created. Few female dwarven warriors were known, but some tales say that female dwarves were as fierce as their male counterparts, especially in protecting their families and offspring. I believe that with 100%. Dwarves were easily monogamous and fewer than one-third dwarven men took a wife, the rest buying themselves, busying themselves with their crafts. Uh, dwarves were a proud and stern race and were made to be sturdy to resist the dangers of their time. They were physically very strong, had great endurance, especially in the ability to resist heat and cold, and they made light of heavy burdens. Dwarves lived longer than men, often up to 250 years. Dwarves had the ability to learn new artisanal skills quickly, especially those dealing with metal or stone. Dwarves were typically stubborn, secretive, and fiercely loyal to friends and family. They treat and care for each other, even strangers among their kind like family. They cared greatly about mining, crafting, crafts, gold, and gems, the acquisition of which often fueled their envy of the elves. Dwarves were easily offended by rude comments and had a prosperity to hold long-lasting grudges. Dwarves were often seen as greedy, but their nature gave them resistance to many external influences, including the evil of the ring of power given them. Whereas the men who owned the nine rings were corrupted and became the Nazgul. The dwarves were unaffected, save by an increase of their gold lust and hatred for anything that stood between them and when they received and what they received as treasure. Awesome. Uh, where was that? Dwarves were taught special skills by Davala Ali. Spent most of their time crafting, smithing, and mining in their massive underground cities. Dwarves were some of the greatest miners ever to exist in Middle Earth. Dwarves dug immense halls under mountains, which they built their cities. Dwarven miners tug, dug for precious minerals such as gold, iron copper, and silver from all over mountains in Middle-earth. Though the dwarves considered coal mining degrading, in ancient times the dwarves found mithril in the mines of Khazad Doom. While mining beneath the lonely mountains, they discovered the Arkenstone at the heart of the mountain. They are also capable masons and smiths. Dwarven smithing skills were said to be rivaled only by those of the elves, and their masonry creations were Bested by none. The skills of the dwarves were unmatched. They crafted objects of such great beauty, uh, diamond, emerald, ruby, and sapphire. Everything dwarven was beautifully crafted and intricate. They crafted many f- famed weapons, armors, and items of art and beauty. Among them, Narasil, the sword of Eldrin, the dragon helm of Doran Loman, and the necklace of Nagulamir. Dwarven armies were vast and powerful, and possessed vast legions of soldiers, cavalries, and siege weapons, and their soldiers were equipped with powerful weapons, armors, and tools for battle. Many different weapons were utilized by the soldiers, such as swords, axes, throwing axes, throwing knives, and war hammers. They had a knack for starting a fire almost ever anywhere of almost anything. Although they, although they knew how, dwarves did not farm or herd often as they preferred to spend their time underground buying and crafting. They rather traded crafting items with 
men and elves in exchange for food. They built many famed halls, including the Lonely Mountain, Belgost, Nalgrad, Kazadum, the halls of Thranduil, and Mengroth. The dwarves also referred to gates of Minas Tirith and rebuilt the walls of Helm's Deep after the War of the Ring. Their cities appeared to be constructed just under mountains or mountain ranges. Dwarven miners would excavate the mountains to create an entrance and dig through and under the mountain to create the groundwork for the cities. Dwarven cities were absolutely massive and very expansive, reaching the far depths of the earth. Dwarves continued to mine in their cities to expand them and discover more resources like precious metals and minerals. Dwarven cities throughout the mountains ranges stretched up down and side to side in the massive caverns beneath the surface, but it was largely unknown how cities were structured and sectioned off. In Casa Doom, there was a section of the city known as the Chamber of Mazabu, also known as the Chamber of Records. There were also sections of the city mentioned in the Book of Mazabu, such as the First Hall, Second Hall, Third Deep, Twenty-First Hall, and the North End. The beauty of the dwarf cities was legend. One stronghold, Arabor, located in the Lonely Mountains, had its wealth coming from precious gems hewn from rock and, and great seams of gold running like rivers through stone. A name for where the dwarves were coated was Perinargian, which means dwarf dwelling in the common tongue. Hells, hells, hells. Ah, uh, the elves who call themselves the Kindin and who, in lore, are commonly called as the Aldar, were the first and eldest of the children of the Ilvatar, and are considered to be the fairest and wisest of any race of Arda given sapiens. Some known afterwards as the Kalokindin, El were brought by the Valar from Middle-earth to Valinor across the sea, where they were taught by the Anyar. But after the Seminars were stolen by Melkor, some of the elves returned to Middle-earth, where they remained until the end of the Third Age. Elves were not subject to age and were immune to illness. They could be killed only in violence or by extreme despair. The firstborn of the Eldor, children of Eldor, were conceived by Eru alone, and the third theme of Anulade, they are the eldest and noblest of the speaking races of Middle-earth. They awoke at Colovrian, the water of awakening, in the far east of Middle-earth, in the starlight of the sleep of Yavanna. As the sun and moon had yet to be created, the first elves to awake there were three pairs, Yemen first and his wife, Imatata and Tati and Enel third and Daniel. According to legend, Yemen, Tata, Enel, and their wives joined up and walked through the forest. They came across nine and twelve pairs of elves, and each patriarch claimed the pairs as his folk. This now, the now sixty elves dwell by the rivers, 
and they invented poetry and music in Middle Earth. Fearing further, they came across a band of elves watching the stars, which had acclaimed as his. These were tall and dark haired. The father of most of the Noldor. The 96 elves now invented many new words. Continuing the journey, they found 24 pairs of elves singing without language, and Annual added them to his people. They were the ancestors of both the Lindar or seniors called Teleri. They found no more elves in his people. The smallest group were the ancestors of the Vanyar, all in on all the number 144. Because all else have been found in groups of 12, 12 becomes the base number and 144 their highest number for a long time. None of the later elves' language had a common name for a greater number. At first, the elves sang with grace and merriment without speech, but soon they developed speech and spoke with words. <coughs> soon, he, the first name for themselves was Kandin, the ones who speak with voices. <clears throat> so the elves were content and dwelt a lot under the stars of the forest near Akuvian. Uh, However, Melkor, the Dark Lord, became aware of them and their location for the Valor. During this time, he sent evil spirits to spy on them and do them harm. Many of the spirits that harassed the elves came in the form of great horsemen for the purpose of causing the elves to fear the Vala or whom Melkor knew would likely be the first Vala to discover the elves. And so it was that, on one of his many journeys in the wilds of Middle Earth, Orimin came upon the elves. Due to Melkor's foresight and malice, some elves were afraid, hiding and fleeing. Some of these early elves were taken by Malkor or his agents. These elves were never seen again and were taken to Utumon and were believed to be twisted and mutilated into the first orcs. However, the elves who stayed quickly learned that Orimin was far different from the evils that he had been had been pursuing them. Orimin quickly came to lose to love the elves and them and gave them the name Aldor which means people of the stars. Uh, Orimin spent some time with them and returned to Valnor to Maui of his discovery. He then returned to live with elves for a time and learn more about them. Not long after that, Valor decided for the good of the elves that Malkors needed to be overthrown. The Valor were upon Malkor and set a uh, guard on Kinovin. The elves knew nothing of the war, save the earth shook and thunderous lightning was seen in the north. Okay. So to make sure, uh, alright. I'm going to stop here. If you want part two, let me know. I want to make sure I have enough time since I went too long so I can actually upload this to my uh, thing so you guys can actually hear this and all the quality won't be so shitty and everything. But uh, 
Let us know what you think. You want some more? Continue on with these elves. For part two. Um, let me know. Anything on with the creatures of Middle Earth and Lord of the Rings and stuff.